Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. All right, all right. It's going to be good tonight, y'all. Um, I think Jesus really wants to speak to y'all. What's interesting is, is that like... I've never preached about a specific person in the Bible. I've always like went through like, oh, here's the book of Romans. Let's hit all these theological points that Paul talks about. But tonight, um, y'all pastor kind of stretching me a little bit. He wants me to preach about <laughs> the conversion of Paul, uh, the conversion of Paul. And if we want to be honest, we can call it how Jesus saves crazy and difficult people one-on-one. How Jesus saves difficult people uh, one-on-one. So before we jump into that, um, I believe, and I heard you guys, our two are readers. I believe leaders are readers. Anybody ever heard of N.T. Wright? Yes, he is probably one of the world's first, foremost um, minds on New Testament um, Theology and New Testament, um, the world of New Testament stuff. <laughs> and that's the best way I can put it. This dude is heady. So what I do is I have two books right now on a life of Paul written by N.T. Wright. It is um, International Women's Month. And so I would love to give away a book to a minority female. Here, come get it. Here. <laughs> I'm not going to jump down now. You're going to have to come get me. I'm older than you. You're the young one. Here you go. Here we go. Yeah. And then I, um, I'm egalitarian, so I have one more for a young man who is going to, come on up, bro, that is going to um, read this. Hey, but you got to promise me something, though. You got to promise me something. You have to read the book. He don't let it collect dust, man. That is, these are expensive books, man. These are theology books. And so, yeah, you going to read it, bro? You going to write me a report and email it to me? Five pages? Single space. Gotcha. Gotcha. Y'all, that's even better. <laughs> it's more meticulous now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you ever want to, like, go deeper outside the Bible in that, that's probably one of the best resources you will ever read outside of a theology school. I promise you that. Um, so, uh, before we get into it, I want to introduce you to my beautiful family. Um, that red head right there is Kim. We've been married for about five years, and uh, I love her to death. And then that's my baby. I call her baby. That's uh, Raya Cornell. And, um, yeah, she's a great guy. She's a goofball, man. She is goofy. Hey, baby. And then uh, she upstairs. So um, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I, I, yeah. All right. Let's go. Let's go. And so um, we're going to look at the life of Paul, but we're just going to look at his part of his life where he, he came to know Jesus. Right. Man, that actually, I thank God for what he did, because if you're not a Hebrew or a Jewish. We probably would have never heard the gospel. But God raised somebody up that the rest of the known world, through him, we heard the gospel. And now all of y'all are fruit 
of what Paul did 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So before we get into like um, the deeper things, like from when we get into his conversion story, let's take a step back a little bit and go to Acts. Um, it's Acts chapter 6 and 7. You can write it down if you're taking notes. It is about um, Stephen. So if you go back a little bit, the apostles is like, man, these people want food and we got to feed them. But pure blood Jews are treating Greek speaking Jews like they're the bottom of the barrel. So they're not getting the food. <laughs> and so they're not distributing the food the right way. So the Bible says, when you go back and read it tonight or whenever you do it later on this week, the Bible says that, um, I'm sorry, y'all, that the apostles actually said, let us raise up men from among us who are full of the Holy Spirit and who are wise to distribute this food. One of those young men was named Stephen. We call them deacons. Deacons is nothing more than a servant to the body of Christ. And so Stephen is raised up and God starts putting his hand on his life so much so he starts preaching the gospel. Healings and all this stuff break out. And then all of a sudden, he is in jail. He's being persecuted himself. And so now, as a trial date comes. And instead of Stephen, like, backing away from who Jesus is in his life, he actually proclaimed him even bolder, which is interesting. And this is what happens. And so that's the backdrop. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 7, verses 57 through 60. If you take a notes, I'm going to say it again. Acts chapter 7. Verses 57 through 60. So he gives his big sermon, and now he's at the end of his life, y'all. And he says this. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Somebody say Saul. Saul is Paul's Hebrew name. Paul is his Greek name. That's it. That's it. That's all that happened. He had two, two names. You take, the, <laughs> you take the P, it's Paul. You take the S, it's Saul. All right? That's it. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord do not hold this sin against them. Man, that'll preach right there itself. And after saying this, he fell asleep. And then, verse, I mean, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and we see it. And Saul approved of their killing him. Let's pray. Father, God, I ask that you help us as we walk through the word to understand it, to apply it, to be transformed by it, and to love the souls of this world. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is, y'all, is we're going to look at Saul's life, okay? 
So we're going to look at, Saul was crazy. Like, y'all don't understand. He was like nuts. Like, and I'm laughing, but the seriousness of it, as we just read, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, he says, and Saul approved of the killing. Saul didn't kill him, but it'll be like Adolf Hitler giving the executive order to kill Jewish people. He's just as guilty as the person who pulled the trigger, is he not? That's what's going on here. And then I want to keep on reading. He says in verse, um, still in verse 1, on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house to house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. So let's look at, from even from the mouth of um, Saul himself, how crazy he was. Yeah, he even called himself crazy, y'all. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, he says, I give thanks to Christ, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'll read that one again. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said this, y'all. I didn't say it. I said he was crazy, but he said it himself. And I am the worst of them. So from Paul's own mouth, we see three things. Number one, he's a persecutor before Christ. Number two, he is a blasphemer. Number three, he is an arrogant man. Now, when we think of arrogant, we think of like, I don't know, the dude who has the, the dude who acts like a jerk when he like, He's driving a BMW and he gets out the car. He thinks he's everything. But that's not what the Bible is alluding to. What he's saying is, is that he was uplifted with pride. And, and he's one who um, wants to heap insulting language upon others or does them some shameful act of wrong. Or does them some shameful act of wrong. So when he says arrogant, you could say he was saying, I'm a violent man. Not just that I was, he was like, I'm Jewish, I'm proud, and y'all blasphemers, I'm about to kill you. That's Saul, y'all. That rhyme. That was Saul, y'all. I could rap. Here's, here's, the, here's the main thing. Paul was horrible. Paul was horrible. And God, despite all those flaws and all the atrocious things he did, God himself chose to save him, disciple him, and commission him for the sake of the gospel to all nations. Good news. But 
If Paul was here today in the 21st century, let's be honest. Even in my, even in my own sinful self, I would have wrote Paul off. We would have canceled him in a heartbeat. I'm sorry, y'all, but we would have been judge, jury, and executioner. But I used to grow up in the church, a black church, where they used to say, but God. <laughs> but God stepped in. But God transformed his life. But God saved him. But God set him free. But God did all these things for the sake of us in this room. So let's slow walk through what happened on his little journey to salvation. The first thing he did was, number one, he, God saw fit to humble Paul. God saw fit to humble Paul. When we pick up in Acts chapter 9, we see that, that the Bible says, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus. Dang. That's cold-blooded. My man asked for letters to kill people. So that if he found any men or women who belong to the way, that's people who follow Christ, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He replied, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. God saw fit to humble him first. That's the best part, y'all. Difficult and crazy people, they're usually on a high horse. And what Jesus usually does is that he knocks them real low. In Saul's case, he literally knocked them off the horse. God had to humble him. God had to show him he was in the wrong. Before he can use him, he had to break him. And we see God do it here. The second thing he did was God saw fit to use the body of Christ to welcome Paul. Or Saul, whatever one you want to use. God saw fit to use the body of Christ to welcome Paul. And then it says, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. Here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight. That'll preach, y'all. <laughs> he went to a street called Straight. 
Ain't God making you straight? No, I'm just playing. He put you on a straight and bare path. No, but the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has the authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me to, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. God saw fit to use the body of Christ to welcome Paul. It was Ananias, but and Ananias was a little bit like, hey, bruh, I don't know. This Saul dude kind of crazy. <laughs> but God saw fit to use the body of Christ to bring others into the kingdom. I think sometimes we look at Paul, we usually skip over his story and we go straight to the New Testament. We see like the Saul who got cleaned up and washed out. But we don't see this part of Paul in this story. We don't cherish what God was doing. I need you to understand, like, Ananias' fear was, was true. Like, he needed, it's like, he was afraid. And it was understandable. But, it would be like, in 2017, I heard that there was a, a little rally that went on in the city or something like that. Forgot what it was called, but these, this group of people, these alt-right guys, some temper started flaring, some things started happening, right? And the car, for some reason, this dude gets in the car and backs up and hits and kills some people and hurts some people, correct? What if he got saved in the hospital that night and God asked you to go pray for him and preach the gospel to him? And lay your hands on them to heal them. Because that guy's going to have the largest African-American church in the history of the United States. The question I have for you is this. Number one, would you obey and go? Number two, would you be ready to do that? Number three, would you be willing 
to lay down your pride, your hurts, so that God can flow through you to somebody else that you don't like. That's what was happening here with Ananias and Saul. Now, some of y'all looking at me like a deer in the headlights, like, oh, no. But you have to be honest with yourself and understand God may call you to do that. God saw fit to welcome Saul into the body of Christ through the body of Christ. All right, I'll move on. It got a little bit too quiet. Y'all ain't laughing at me no more. Okay. And then number three, number three, God saw fit to use the body of Christ to fight for him, for Saul. God saw fit to use the body of Christ to fight for Saul. In Acts chapter 9, verses uh, 26 and 30, if you're writing that down. I like y'all, man. Y'all studious. Everybody taking notes and stuff. Ooh, it's deep in here. <laughs> Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 30. Y'all got it? It's rock and roll. It's right behind me anyway. I'm old school. I use a paper Bible. I'm sorry. I forgot it was PowerPoint and all that good stuff. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had uh, spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. I'll state it again. God saw fit to use the body of Christ to fight for him. When everybody else didn't believe, which was understandable, Paul saying he's a believer now, and just a couple weeks ago, he just killed my father. What do you do with that? You asking me to love this dude? Nah, I'm good. I was just like, I'm out. <laughs> but God used the body of Christ to help change his, their perception of him. Barnabas, his name literally means encourager, by the way. He took him by the hand and said, man, let's go, bro. Got in front of people and they was like, yo, yo, he, he with me. He with me. And, as, and what that did was that they opened up a door to give him a chance to show that God changed his life. Interesting. And the Bible goes on to say that he was preaching, preaching up a storm down there in the synagogue. 
It's probably giving them the business, too, when they was debating. Like, man, this Jesus dude is real, y'all. Come on. Quit, quit playing around. Let me show you he's real. Let me lay hands. He's here. <laughs> but still, God used the body of Christ to fight for him. Y'all catching it? Jesus, I want, you to, I want you to understand this. Jesus was working through all those people. But I want you to understand, Jesus only manifested himself one time. He used other people to change his life. All because they all said, yes. I don't like the dude. I can't rock with him. We can't eat lunch together. But Lord, if you're calling me, man, I'll do it. And because they did that, that love probably so much transformed Paul that when you read Ephesians, I truly believe the love of God, the height, the width, the breadth that he talks about in that prayer was probably referring to the people that loved him the way Jesus loved the people who got saved. Y'all catching that? And I want to share with you like, my life was like Paul's. <laughs> a little bit different. I wasn't going around like, you know, AK-47 and then up and down my block. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't do that. I hope I wouldn't do that. But what was happening was in my own life, I hurt people. I hurt a lot of people. I was mean to people. I treated them wrong. I treated them like they weren't human sometimes. I was in addictions. So much so, God used those addictions and those problems that I was having to humble me. And what happened was, this white dude here, <laughs> I'm about to get into that. Oh, God, help me. You know John, man. That dude's crazy. <laughs> but one day, walking down the hallway, maybe this was some of y'all's story too. Walking down the hallway, it was this Chi Alpha table right there. And I just rededicated my life to Jesus because I was like, Lord, I'd do anything to get free. I'd do anything. And God heard that prayer, even though I wasn't yelling at it from the rooftops. And this dude was there. Mind you, our chances of running into each other are probably slim to none. Had it not been he was a young adult pastor in the suburbs, and I was a kid from inner city Gary, Indiana. It wouldn't have never happened. I wouldn't have never chose to hang out with him. <laughs> but God, I guess sometimes you, he works in mysterious ways. He's funny. <laughs> He's really funny. God, I don't know what happened. And then one day he, he, he stopped me at the table. He looked me in my eyes. He said, hey, you, give me your phone number. Like, literally, hey, you, give me your phone number. And, uh, <laughs> And I'm like, okay, like, it must have been the Holy Spirit because it wasn't me, man. I don't, <laughs> if, we, if you saw us hang out, you'd be like, man, I don't know how in the world they friends. But it happened and it worked. I dished and dodged them, y'all, for a little bit. <laughs> because it's weird when people are trying to hang out with you when they twice your age. <laughs> but I digress, I digress, come back, come back. I digress. What happened was is that he took me out to lunch, 
And God was starting to work in my life, but God wanted to work in my life. Does that make sense? Like, you, get, you, you feel me? And so what was going on was, is that he sat me down. He looked me in my eyes. I was broke at the time. We had McDonald's. It was good food. It was horrible. And this is what he said. She said it's still good food. The fries good, but that ain't, that's it. Um, what happened was he said to me, he looked at me in my eyes. He said, the reason why students on campus are going to hell is because Christians like you ain't out there preaching the gospel. What do you do with that? My heart sank, and I'm like, dude, you don't even know. Like, I'm in addictions, and you just don't know. And he's like, wait, 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 man, just give me three months. Just give me three months. So I did. We started going through the book of Acts, which is funny. I'm preaching from it. And God started to slowly transform my life, slowly transform my life. And that was about 15 years ago. And I didn't know. God was going to use him to transform my life so much that I'm starting, I am preaching the gospel to the same age kids, y'all not kids, students, sorry, students to help transform them lives the same way Jesus used somebody else to transform my life. Do you see the similarities between Saul, Barnabas, and Ananias and how Jesus changed his life. If there's anything that you want to take from this, here go two truths. Write these down. Everybody, write them down. Get your cell phone out. Take a picture. Hang them up on your wall. While you're getting dressed tomorrow morning, say your uh, affirmations and read this to yourself, all right? Number one, no one is too far gone that they cannot be transformed by Jesus in the gospel. I'm going to read that again because I saw like, I heard two people say amen. But I'm going to read it again and I want to hear a big amen. Because some of y'all might be in this number one. <laughs> y'all know who you are. No one is too far gone that they cannot be transformed by Jesus in the good news, in the gospel. Come on now. Then number two, Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use us. I hate to say you. He wants to use us. We are the body of Christ. Jesus wants to use us to reach the too far gone people. I'll say it again. Because I heard like one over here, my man, thank you. I heard one over here, then two over here. Let me say it again. Jesus wants to use us to reach the too far gone people. Yes. Thank you. God wants to use you. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you. But this is, this, is, this is a very important two truths. These are two truths. There are people on your campus there's a person in your class. There are friends on your floor. Hear me, I know you probably heard this a million times, but I need you to hear it with your soul tonight. I'm going to be serious now. I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be serious. <laughs> God is not done with them yet. So who are we? 
how dare us write anybody off? And here go the good news. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, wants to use you to reach him. You don't have to be a small group leader. Small group leaders, y'all do a lot of work. But some of y'all in the small group, it's time to wake up now and grow up. Jesus wants to work through you too. So I digress. Let me get back. Okay. Um, (laughs) They was like, oh, man, I got to get out of here. (laughs) No, I'm just playing. As As the worship team comes up. Worship team, worship team. They coming? Y'all did a good job too, by the way. Give them a round of applause to the leaders in the presence of God. What I, what I, back home, we would break off into like groups of three and fours and and talk about like how we gonna apply this message, okay? But we, we, it's too many of y'all to do that. It's just too many of y'all, which is great. That means God is moving here. That God is working on UVA's campus. Look at this room. Nations are represented here. God is awesome. But what he wants to do is that he wants to continue to make you into that vessel. As He needs you to be an Ananias and a Barnabas, okay? You are Ananias and Barnabas. You are the person who's going to take somebody that nobody likes and bring them into the kingdom. You're going to be the one that lays hands on somebody to get healed on campus tomorrow. You're going to be the one that says, I feel like God put this on my heart for you. Is this true? Yeah. You're going to be the one that's going to boldly preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that this whole transfer... This, how many people here? About 500? 300, 300, 400. What if 400 turned to 2,000 over the next four years? It ain't about numbers, but it's about a kingdom movement. And you're the Barnabas and Ananias. Will you say yes to that? So here goes some questions I want you to think through as we worship the Lord, okay? Obviously, y'all see them, but number one, is there anyone in my life who I've written off or feel they are far too gone. Is there anyone in my life that I've written off or feel that they're far too gone? Are there people in my life that I don't like that Jesus wants me to befriend? (laughs) Roommate that don't ever wash the dishes. Oh, they drive me crazy. Oh, Kim ain't in here. Cool, I can say that. All right, I'm just playing. (laughs) But number... um, are there people that you just don't like that God is saying he wants to use that to work through you and change you so you can love them? Thirdly, what person, not people group, what person on this campus does God want us to reach out to with the gospel? What person? I put people group up there, but you got friends. You don't have to go run to, to a, a, a specific people group. You got a friend that doesn't know Jesus. 
that you can take along with you and walk with you, right? And then for small groups, how do we as a small group become more welcoming to the unbeliever? The same way Ananias, he didn't have to like him, he didn't have to work with him, but he learned to love him because if you read it, he said, Brother Saul, not murderer Saul. He could have, but he said, Brother Saul, right? He didn't, I don't, I believe he didn't like to do it. He like, man, my man, no, nah, no, nah, God, I ain't doing that. God, like, shut up and go. He ain't going to do nothing to you. He's blind anyway. <laughs> That's what happened. I'm, I'm being, I'm not saying, yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. He ain't going to do nothing to you. Forgive me if it came out wrong. I'm sorry. But then, lastly, when am I going to be obedient to what Jesus has told me, has told us? Sometime we can we can we can listen to sermons all day. The Bible says in James, like, like you deceive yourself if you don't walk out what you learn. That's a brutal statement out of all the Bible. People spend their whole life listening to sermons, but never live it out. As we worship Jesus, come on and stand up. I like this. Y'all did it in concert, too. Who is God telling you to go to? And are you going to be obedient to what he told you? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for the life of, of Paul, Lord. God, he is a life that says God can do anything. If God can turn a murderer into a theologian, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, and one of the greatest Christians the world has ever known, how much more can he do with the students and our classmates that's right next to us every day? And so, Father, I ask that you give us a heart, stirring us once again for the University of Virginia, Lord. To every person knows your name, to every person set free, and to every person is a disciple maker for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Let's worship God, y'all. singing that song I just couldn't help but think Lord thank you for that guy at that table 15 years ago who boldly asked for Radon's number (laughs) and I just wonder 15 years from now who are going to be saying thank you God that so and so went and had the conversation in the dorm or got a coffee after class or late night at the A school, two in the morning, start talking about their faith or at the AFC and at, and at the gym, start talking to that person who they end up coming to Christ because somebody got bold. And 15 years later, we're so thankful that they did that. Lord, let it be.
Lord, let there be conversations this week that 15 years from now, we'll say, thank you, Lord, that that conversation was had, that it started a three-month journey that landed that person in a new place with a new king and a new life, and that the ripple effects of that have lasted for, for decades. Lord, give us that boldness. Lead us to the, to the Pauls. And lead us to the Radons. And lead us to the Peets. Lord, I pray for that. For your glory and the good of students here at UVA. Let it be, King Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. Well, will you guys... Just give a hand for Radon Conway. Thanks, man. It's awesome. <laughs> I love Radon. Well, it has been a great night. Let me pronounce the benediction over us. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And as you're an ambassador for Christ here, may he give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com. 